It's great to be back in church. We have, as uh, Liam has mentioned, um, my family and I have uh, had a little bit of time away. We've been up in Scotland and uh, uh, we've had a lovely time. The weather has traveled with us. Um, we've done a little bit of a tour. We've been up as high as Port Nocky, just along the coast from Inverness. Uh, we have been as low as Dumfries and Galloway. Um, a couple of days before we got back, uh, we had a couple of nights in Glasgow, and uh, it is, I think, the closest that I've ever come to staying at Faulty Towers. If you are old enough to know anything of Faulty Towers, there was a lovely uh, manager, the duty manager, who lived there for the entire duration that we were there, a guy called Sam, a young guy, just holding it all together. It was wonderful. We came down for our second morning breakfast, and we had, we hold our hands up, we hadn't said when we would be coming down for breakfast, so we were towards the end, it was a Sunday, so we were towards the end of, uh, of the breakfast window, but as we wandered in, a wave of stress hit us, and there were four of us, but there was one to come, that caused problems, so where should we sit? So we sat at a table, and then there were a couple of serving staff wandering around going, They've sat there. What do we, uh, shall I stand and shall we move? No, no, stay where you are. It's all fine. And there was, this, there was this moment and they ended up splitting us over two tables. Helen was a little bit delayed getting to breakfast. So there were four of us. So they weren't able to take our order straight away. Oh, that caused stress. They were at the door. No, she's not here. She's not here yet. She's not here yet. As they ran around, uh, I went up and I and I went for a coffee, and it was one of these coffee machines. And as I put my cup there and I hit coffee, um, it started snowing. Milk powder started leaking from the side of the uh, side of the machine. So I, I called one of the very stressed uh, servers over. It appears to be snowing from your coffee machine. It's like it's no problem, sir. You sit down. You sit down. And it all just got really stressful. And they opened the machine, and it. It was no longer slowing. It was a blizzard that was now falling all over the floor. What's more, somebody had left and had dripped liquid all over the floor. The duty manager arrived and he was down on his knees scrubbing while there's snow falling. It was just a truly, truly amazing, amazing end to our holiday. So it's quite nice to be back in, uh, in the land of Sheffield where coffee machines don't snow um, and the sun never shines. No, um, but it's great. I don't know what your summer has been like. I don't know how you've been tracking with our practice of neighboring, whether that has led you to feel really guilty that you're not doing enough, whether you've seen some little breakthroughs, whether you've seen God on the move. I don't know how that's been for you, but I hope it's been a great summer. And uh, I don't remember whether I said at the start, if you don't know me, my name is Alan. Um, I love a coffee. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm part of the team here, I'm a Baptist minister, and it's a real privilege to be finishing off this summer series on the art, the practice of neighboring. And we've had the Good Samaritan with Tom, uh, we've had uh, the charge from Jesus to love our neighbors, the second greatest commandment, we've looked at time with Sam, uh, we've looked with Abby at loving people different from ourselves, and last week uh, we heard from Liam on the motivation for loving those around us. And so today, to finish our service, we are looking at being peacemakers being peacemakers, making peace with those around us and living well. And sort of the springboard this morning for what I'm going to speak about um, should appear on the screen behind me. It's Romans 12, 
and it looks like this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's where we're starting this morning. But as you all know, I, I quite like a title from time to time, so today is no different. So what I'm looking at this morning is going beyond the law of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. So going beyond the law of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That sort of reciprocal nature that we have for relationships. You do something nice, I might do something nice in return. You do something nasty, I might do something nasty in return, even if it's just never talk to you again, because that's the way that I'm wired. So that's where we're going. Before I jump into that, or as part of that, do you know that there are places in Italy where it is illegal to buy a stranger a coffee? In parts of Italy, there are places where it is illegal to buy a stranger a coffee. What's that about? What is that about? Well, you see, the mafia is still alive and kicking in Italy. And the way that they will often begin to recruit is to see somebody on the street who's a little bit down on their luck and go, would you like a coffee? They go, yeah, I'll, I'll have a coffee. And it's the first step to being beholden to somebody else. I'm going to buy you a coffee. It's lovely. And at some point, I might ask a favor in return. And so in order to stamp that out, the Italian government in parts of Italy have made it illegal to buy a stranger a coffee. I don't know whether anyone saw over the summer uh, the BBC miniseries called Time, starring our very own Sheffield's own Sean Bean. Did anybody see that over the summer? A few of us. Uh, Sean uh, plays a, uh, a teacher, an English teacher with a drink problem who has uh, been involved. He climbed into, into his car, knocked over somebody and they died. And so uh, he initially fled the scene, persuaded by his wife. He returned, uh, handed himself into the police and he finds himself locked up, surrounded by a whole load of thieves and other, other people that are in prison, incarcerated. And he's an older guy because Sean, they didn't do his makeup. So he plays an older gentleman and there's a younger guy in prison who's just bullying him, stealing his food, making his uh, life hard. And so uh, Mark, Sean's character, goes to the Mr. Big character in the prison and says, help. And the, uh, the Mr. Big says, I will help you, but if I do, there will come a time when I'll be calling in this favor that I'm asking of you. And I'm not gonna give any more of the plot away, but there is this sense, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. If you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. If I do something for you, then there's an obligation that we will be paid back for what it is that, uh, that, that's been done. And so how does this play out in neighboring? We love our street. And uh, a few weeks ago, about a month or so ago, some of our neighbours who now lockdown is lifting are doing more and more work away down in London. They asked if we would put their bins out. Absolutely fine. Put their bins out for them. 
um, we go away on holiday. We've not spoken to anybody, but as we get back, we discover that our bins have been put out for the duration of our time away. It's fabulous. Really, really cool. And I did bump into Chris, our neighbor, and say, have you put our bins out for us? He said, no, we've been away, nothing to do with us. So we don't even know who's been putting our bins out. But there is that sense that there is this law of you scratch, I scratch, that's going on and working really, really well on our street. I know from friends, our Eden team and guys down in Furvale, that uh, amongst the Pakistani community, particularly uh, that they're living uh, with, that if you take a food container around, say, with some cake that you've, uh, that you've baked, that there is this law which means that within that culture that you cannot return an empty food, uh, food container empty that somebody's given you something in. So they've enjoyed all kinds of wonderful curries and, and other things because there's this law of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Uh, we have another lady on our street who has a car. Many of us have cars. Another neighbor doesn't, so uh, this neighbor has taken it upon themselves that whenever she's going shopping, she'll take the neighbor with them. And rather than carrying heavy bags back or getting a taxi, that that will get sorted out. We've got Martin, who is a, um, who is a uh, vegetable grower beyond, uh, beyond your wildest dreams. And so there's so much surplus that that gets distributed along our street. We've got a WhatsApp group, which means that if people are wanting to get rid of stuff, if your brother-in-law has turned up and he's accidentally left cheese and doesn't want it back and it's that veiny stuff that is really strong and that no one in our family eats, we post it on WhatsApp and you get people coming around and stealing your cheese. Um, and uh, so there's recommendations for workmen. It's a fabulous, fabulous street to live on. And uh, it's a real privilege to do that. And the law of you scratch, my, uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, is alive and working so well. It's awesome. So there's nothing wrong with that. However, what if there's somebody on your street that doesn't feel that they have anything to scratch with? That they don't feel that they have anything to give, anything to offer? Do they get excluded? Or do they exclude themselves because they don't want charity from anybody else? That they just close the doors and don't come out to play? Or what if a neighbor doesn't play nice? Maybe they don't play by the same rules as you do because they're from a different country and they don't quite get the Britishness of the society that Helen talked about back in week two. Maybe they do something that you don't like or maybe they cause offence. What then? Because as well as the positive law of you scratch my, uh, my back, I'll scratch yours, there's also the flip side, the negative, you scratch, by heck, I'm going to scratch you back. It can be a negative cycle that we get into. I brought cake and you shut the door in my face. You didn't return the tin. I waved and you didn't even acknowledge me. Your dog barks all through the night. Your trees in your yard block out the sun in my yard and my vegetables don't grow. You play loud music through the night. Maybe there's domestic violence that's going on within your flats, within your streets. Maybe your neighbor's got a problem with bindweed. Maybe your neighbor's got a problem with weed. Maybe your neighbor is a dealer and they get visits at all times of the day or night. 
Maybe you've got neighbours that are hoarders and they collect all kinds of junk and that shared alleyway between your properties is just full up with rusty old stuff that is not only a danger to you but a danger to your children. Or, and as you'll hear if you've been listening, tracking with the podcasts, um, the conversations with various people around the community, car parking. We'll hear from Dave, uh, another church leader in the city, who moved into a house where the previous owner of the house was so particular about the parking space in front of his house that if anyone transgressed by even a couple of inches, there was a real genuine danger that your car would get keyed. The law of you scratch, I'll scratch right back. That negative cycle can also happen. And sometimes that's open hostility. Other times, it can be the unspoken, crooks, cross-pool way of dealing things, of just a simmering resentment. And that sense of, I'm not having anything to do with those people, thank you very much. But Jesus makes a radical call to us as Christians. He wants to take us beyond that sense of, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, whether it's for good or for ill. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And I don't know whether it's on the screen, but there's another passage from Matthew that I mentioned that, uh, that Ruth may have put on. I don't know whether it's there. If it's not, I'm going to read it to you anyway, ladies and gentlemen. It's not. You want to take that? Yes, it's there. There you go. It says this. If I can find it in the Bible. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, even if your enemy is your neighbor. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And this is the bit going beyond the I scratch you scratch law of the world. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. What we see here is the way of the world that we know and we accept and we so often buy into, I know that I do, versus the way of the kingdom, Jesus' way. And this is Jesus' disciples as Christians. We are trying to live his way of life. We're trying to put into practice what he says, what he teaches, and the way that he lives. You see, Jesus didn't come to work within the system of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. He came to do away with it and to take us beyond that deeper. Jesus came not to do something for us that we might be beholden to him, but he came to set us free and not only set us free, but set our hearts ablaze with love that we might bless and touch and uh, encourage and be generous to those around us, not because we must, not because we are repaying a debt or a favor, but because his love is alive and birthed in us. Jesus comes to take us way beyond the law of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. 
And in order to just unpack that a little bit further, I want to talk on two things this morning. Both of them you will see behind me. The first is the cross. We're going to look at the cross and what that means. And the second is the cup. And we're going to take communion a little bit later this morning when I've shut up and sat down. But Jesus' death on the cross cancelled all debts. You may know the Lord's Prayer in its current form, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. You may also remember an older translation, uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Other places in the Bible, the word used there is forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Because you see, just as with the coffee that is illegal to purchase for a stranger in Italy, we can accrue debts in terms of being beholden to somebody else. You've done something nice, I need to pay you back. And I feel a little bit guilty that I've not returned that bowl that you gave that food to me in. But there's also debts in terms of the injury and the insult that we've suffered. And uh, there were some podcasts that the very dear Colin McCulloch put me onto, which was the history of debt many, many years ago, and says that money didn't originate um, because people were buying things, but money originated as people were trying to work out exactly how much you owed me for doing something unpleasant to me, killing my, killing my sheep. How much is that worth to the penny? And so we can accrue debts through good things that we do. People owe me because I've done something nice. Or people owe me because they've slighted me, that they've injured me. You owe me an apology. I'm going to wipe the slate clean. They're all terms around finance. So when Jesus came and died on the cross, he cancelled all debts. Everything that we owe to God, love, your, love the Lord your God, but also he came to bring restoration to the relationships around us. And by doing that, he cancelled every debt between you and me. So every wrong, every hurt, every slight, every injury, every injustice, every cross word, when Jesus died on the cross, he wiped that slate clean. And every good deed, every gift, every obligation, every need to reciprocate, every duty cancelled by Jesus on the cross. And Jesus didn't die, as I say, to cancel our debts so that we would be indebted to him and maintain that law of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. No, he came to dispense with that. You don't owe God anything. God doesn't owe you anything. I don't owe Colin anything. Colin doesn't owe me anything. It is the new world order, the kingdom of God that Jesus came to institute. All debt through hurt and injury, forgiven. All forgiven. And this is true of our relationship with God. You and I don't get what we deserve. Instead, we get life overflowing. We get to stand in the very love and very presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can come free. Taste and see that the Lord is good, says the psalmist. Isaiah says, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Come and buy wine and milk without money and without cost. You're free to come into God's presence. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And what's true of our relationship with God 
is also true of our relationship with one another. You don't owe me anything. I don't owe you. Which means that if I bless you, it is grace. It is a free gift. I expect nothing in return. If you bless me, I'm not beholden to you. I can receive that as the free gift that it's intended. And Paul, who wrote the, uh, the, um, uh, the book of Romans, the letter to the Romans, goes on in chapter 13 to say, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. So what does that mean for us and neighboring and, uh, and on our street, the cross and neighboring? It means that any offense that anyone has, called, uh, has caused you because of what Jesus has done on the cross, forgive, forgive, forgive. That may be easy. That may be the most difficult thing that you will ever have to do. But the call on our lives as Christians is to forgive, to cancel all debts, anything that's outstanding, anything that's owing. Yes, we may need to have a difficult conversation. Jesus speaks in Matthew chapter 18 about addressing issues that there are between us. Go and have a conversation. Put it right. But we forgive first so that when we're going, we're not seeking to exact revenge or to score a point, we go to reconcile so that there'll be no debts outstanding between us and them. And if there's strife between neighbors, if you get to know neighbors and you hear that there's, uh, this person is horrible and mean and this person has taken a dislike to this person, we have the privilege of being ministers of grace and of reconciliation. The message that we carry, yes, is that Jesus died for our sins so that we may approach God. But the implications for that are so much wider. And we can begin to talk and to disciple and to coach and to encourage love and blessing and forgiveness between the neighbors that we live amongst. Jesus is teaching us to do life differently. And we get the privilege of sharing that overflowing, abundant, life-giving life with those around us. It's the power of the cross. So if that's the cross, what about the cup? The humble silver cup. Uh, it's not so humble, um, but I do believe it's silver. Jesus said this in Luke 22. After supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, new covenant, it's a big churchy word. It is the heart of our relationship with God. It's at the very heart of the way that he relates to us. And if our relationships in the world are based on you scratch, I'll scratch. God's relationship with us is, I'll scratch your back, full stop that God has chosen to love us, to continue to do good to us and for us in all aspects of our life, in all moments, regardless of whether we scratch the itch that he has. His love is constantly and consistently turned on to us that there is nothing that we can do to earn any more of his love. 
And there is nothing that we can do that will push God away from us. His love is turned on towards us. And so often we get caught up in our relationship with God as, Lord, I'm trying to scratch your back. Bless me. God says, I'm blessing you, my child. I'm always blessing you. I will always, never, ever ceasing, continue to pour out my love and my blessing on you. And sometimes you'll recognize it, and at other times you really will not. So God says, you can reject him. You can spit on him. You can abuse him. You can curse him, betray him, mock him, beat him, spit in his face, hang him on a cross and leave him to die. And he will never, ever, ever, ever reject you. He will continue to love you. He keeps coming back. His love continues to be turned on towards us. God chooses you and that choice is irrevocable. And that is the power of the covenant that we have with God. The choice to love and to bless no matter what. That's at the heart of marriage relationship. It's the covenant of marriage and it's the clearest picture that we have. That in marriage, I stood up alongside my wife as a stupid 23-year-old and said, I choose you. And regardless of sickness or health, of richness, of poverty, no matter how it goes, no matter what you say or do in my direction, and I'm still a work in progress, so don't go talking to my wife and hear the other side of the story, but I choose her, regardless of what comes back. If she has an off day, if she's not scratching where I itch, then I continue to face her, continue to love her, continue to bless her. It's the choice that we get to make. And it's not because I must, it's not because I ought. It's not because I should. It's a free choice that I make and I continue to make most days. At least I try to make most days. Thank you, sister. That hole was getting bigger. That hole was getting bigger. And if that's true of our relationship with God, and if we are God's children, and if we are seeking to follow and to live the way that Jesus demonstrates, then when it comes to neighboring, we have a choice. We have a choice to love, to go beyond the law of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That if your neighbor's dog is barking through the night, we have a choice to put up, shut up, close the doors, lock the windows, pull the curtains, soundproof, Ignore them anytime you see, snarl at them as their dog snarls at you. Or we've got the choice to go beyond. That our love for those around us, our desire to serve those around us, is never switched off regardless of what comes in our direction. It's a powerful thing that Jesus has done for us. It's a powerful witness that we can make to those around us. Yeah, but I've been horrible to you. Yeah, but God loves you. And I love you. And I will continue to bake you cake until it comes out of your ears. 
Paul says in Romans 12, the passage that we started with, goes on a little bit further to say this, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. It also works with females. It's just written in the masculine here. I do apologize. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. That's not revenge, brothers and sisters. It's God's job to judge. You may think that you're annoying as the most annoying per- your neighbor is the most annoying person that you have ever met. They may think exactly the same of you. It is God's place to judge. And because he is the judge, it just frees us up knowing that he will right every wrong, that every injustice will be dealt with and sorted. It gives us just that freedom, just to put that to one side and to continue to love and bless those around us. If there's anger, we love. If there's hate, we love. If there's injustice, we're called to love. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And it's not because we must, but it's because we are loved by God And his love has warmed our hearts. That we recognize that we have bought into the system of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And we recognize today that God wants to take us way, way beyond that.